Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. I want you to imagine this morning your son or daughter is playing on a local basketball team and they come home one night and uh, they tell you, uh, Dad, Mom, guess what? Man, I'll tell you what, we won the game. And not only that, I scored 40 points tonight. I was hot. I couldn't miss. Now, what would you say in response to that? I, I'm sure you would say all kinds of different things. But if you're like really cool and into the language of the day, you might say something like, Wow, honey, I, you made it rain down there tonight. <laughs> okay, now... If you said that, are you talking about the fact that there was water falling from the ceiling? No, it's a way of celebrating. It's a way of saying, you know what? Yeah, you were just pouring those buckets in. You were just raining down score after score after score. That's what you'd be saying. In the 70, they came rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. And Jesus joins into the celebration saying, yes, yes, I, while you were there, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But that's not the only kind of interesting statement he makes. He follows that one up uh, by talking about the spiritual authority that he had given them. And as he speaks about that authority that enabled them to have a successful campaign, he says something about serpents and scorpions. He says, I gave you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions. Now, just as much as, man, you made it rain today as a metaphor for something other than water falling on the ground, back in that day, speaking of serpents and scorpions was also a well-known metaphor that spoke of evil forces. And specifically in this context, Jesus would have been talking about the evil forces that stand against God's work and redemption of redemption and restoration. So when you read that statement, don't get too motivated to run out of here looking for snakes and scorpions to step on and then claiming this verse as the biblical basis for you doing that because I'm here to tell you that if you go out stomping on snakes and scorpions, most likely we're all going to be meeting here having your funeral and I'm going to be talking about the danger of misappropriating scripture because that's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about the authority that he had given them to tread, to work against, to stand against the evil forces that obviously would come against them. And Jesus celebrates, we see, with the disciples their accomplishments. But as any good mentor does, when their mentee or their mentor, mentees <laughs> come back bragging and, and uh, crowing and, you know, and and celebrating something great that has happened, like any good mentor would do, we find Jesus, after celebrating with them, bringing them back to earth, so to speak, reminding them of the most important thing. Yes, you cast out demons. Yes, you healed people. Yes, people responded to the message of the kingdom of God. But listen, that's great, and that's wonderful. Hee hee, go team, that's great. But listen, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. What he's saying there, in essence, is that the greatest miracle of all is the redemption of your own sinful soul. That's the greatest miracle that anybody could ever experience. 
And you know, sometimes we, we forget about that. Sometimes we find ourselves in life and or ministry with everything going great, one amazing event after another. And if we're not careful when things are going like that, we can begin to think that the success is what we should be focusing on. The success is what we should be raving about. And if we think that way, if we allow ourselves to think that all the, all the offerings were up, 20 people walked the aisle, man, they were burning that stage up with music this morning. Oh, this and all, parking lot's full and the other one's full as well. I mean, wow, it's just great. Hey, when we start looking at all those kind of things and think that's what we should be celebrating, we are in an unfortunate position because that is not what we should be celebrating. Those are great things. But that's not what we should be celebrating. You say, pray tell, what should we be celebrating? We should be celebrating our relationship with Jesus. That's what counts. That's what makes the difference. Let me tell you that there's nothing greater, better, or more noteworthy than the fact that God in love and mercy gave Jesus to pay our sin debt and then raised him from the dead for our eternal life. If our name is written in the Lamb's book of life this morning then that is the greatest miracle of all. That is, that is the greatest victory that we have to celebrate. And with that said, I have to ask you, is your name written in God's book of life? That brings me to truth point number one. And I want you to pay careful attention to this. If we attain to every dream, if we conquer every foe, if we store up more treasure than we could ever use, But do not know Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We have not found eternal bliss, but we have found eternal death. Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This morning we need to be reminded that in every imaginable way, being in right relationship with God is the most important, the most valuable and the most rejoiceable reality that there is. We move on to verses 21 and 22, and we find the need to rejoice in the inscrutable wisdom of God. And you say, the what wisdom of God? Yeah, inscrutable. The word inscrutable simply means beyond understanding. And that's what God's wisdom is. God's wisdom is beyond human understanding. Here we find Jesus turning to prayer, and we find him praying in the Spirit, and we find him rejoicing in the unsearchable wisdom of God. And and here specifically is what he's rejoicing about. Listen, Jesus is rejoicing, and he is marveling at how the wise, now not the truly wise, but those who are wise in their own eyes, he is marveling at how they cannot grasp the things of God with their own intellect. But on the other side of the fence are those who are children. And we're not talking about fifth graders. We're talking about people whose internal attitude is more infantile than it is strutting around like I know all things. He rejoices in the fact that those who are inexperienced, those who are ill-informed, those whose minds are unsophisticated. He's rejoicing that the door is wide open for them to grasp God's truth. Not because they're smart, but because they are humble enough to receive what God wants to give them. 
I wonder about us today. Are we humble enough to receive what God wants to give us? Or do we think we know better what we need? And if we're not getting what we think we need, then we are all in a tither about it. Consider all the complex knowledge that is achievable among men. We have seen men and women come together and find cures for diseases that for millennia killed off big populations. We have seen men and women come together and find a way to put multiple men on the moon and bring them back safely. Here recently, we've seen men and women put their minds together and actually build semi-trucks and, and, and passenger cars that can go down the road automatically without a driver. Wow, that is unbelievable. And when we think of those kind of things that are achievable on the human uh, dimension, we know that the childlike, they're not the ones who make those discoveries. No, it's the people we celebrate as geniuses. They're the ones who are making those discoveries. They're the ones who are making that happen. But let me ask you, look around at the geniuses that are out there, and there are many. Not many of them have discovered what really matters in life. They may have discovered how to put a person on the moon. They may have discovered how to make a tractor trailer go down the road without a driver, but they have not discovered the mind of Christ. And why is that? Well, it's because human wisdom tends to stand in the way of the knowledge of God. Human wisdom tends to stand in the way of the knowledge of God. You see, when we're operating from the point of human wisdom, then God doesn't make any sense. Surrender as the way to exaltation doesn't make sense. Humility as the way to greatness does not make sense. Sacrifice as the way to victory does not make sense from the human perspective. Listen, everything man knows through human intellect screams that God's way is the way to bondage, the way to boredom, and the way to non-fulfillment, even though the opposite is actually true. The childlike, on the other hand, they know that they don't have the answers. They know they need help. Many of them are willing to trust, and thus they find real life, true wisdom, and joy in living. And this is the way... God has actually created things to be. The way up is down. The way to life is through death. And the way to God is through the righteousness of another. The statement that we find in the passage where Jesus says, no one knows the Father but the Son and the Son but the Father is a statement that it is impossible for humanity to find God on our own. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that we are incapable of discovering God on our own? Well, let me tell you, we can discover religion, and we have, and we have multiple thousands of them all around the world. But we cannot find God unless the Son chooses to reveal the Father to us. And one thing that you can count on is this, is that Jesus does not reveal the Father to the proud, the arrogant, the independent, or the self-sufficient type. He doesn't, he doesn't reveal the Father to those types because they don't have room for what he has to show them. Brings me to truth point number two, which comes from James chapter 4 verse 6. A simple sentence that says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why don't you say that with me? Ready? 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to mark this down because this is an absolute fact. When you see a man or a woman who is proud of their knowledge, who brags about their understanding, and castigates others who do not share their view, when you find someone who talks incessantly so that their wisdom can be seen by others and refuses to listen or to contemplate any other position, then you can guarantee yourself you are in the presence of a proud person. And you can be assured that at least from the spiritual perspective, they know nothing of the mind of Christ because God does not open his wisdom to such as that. So if you want to know someone who's got the mind of Christ, look for the humble. Look for the unassuming. Find the one who's always deferring to the Lord as their source for everything, and you will find someone who is growing in true wisdom, in the wisdom of God. We come to the last two verses of this section, verses 23 and 24, and we find Luke bringing the time of rejoicing to a close, reporting that Jesus informed the 70 of the unique privilege that they had. They were living in a blessed time, a time of divine revelation. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.